Amen. A little ode to my father today, who is a steady man, and to my mother, who is the joyful spirit. A little recognition to my father, who kept cool in tumultuous times, and to my mother, who brought joy in the mundane. They certainly needed each other. But on behalf of Scott and Dana, they needed us more. And so I have to tell you today that what I preach is a baked in core position of life that was instilled into me before I knew it was happening. And believe it or not, it it's in the word. <laughs> so I'm so excited about that. So happy about it. Now for all those that are paying attention It is the commission to preach the whole counsel of God. Which means that every service is designed by the Holy Spirit for his intended purpose and not for mine or for yours. But he knows what we need, so he provides the word for our lives. All the people said amen. That means so be it. That means you accept that. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. Amen. That wasn't a resounding amen. All the people said amen. amen. Praise God. So I'm going to provoke you for responses. And if I feel uh, very insecure, I'll provoke you for more responses. And it's possible. Now, there's a lot going on today. And uh, and I, I did read a little bit of... of the graduation pranks and people doing all kinds of crazy stuff and some of it's very very destructive and i did read of a of the of the of the group there was a very nerdy class you know the high intellectual nerdy kind of people they got together asked they actually asked if they could do something well, that wasn't my group and um and they said well okay what can it hurt and so on their graduation, they, they, uh, they found three goats and released them inside of the school, locked the door, and left for vacation. And around the sides of the goats, they numbered them one, two, and four. staff has really been struggling here of late everyone's looking for number three so I will I may leave something out here but if I leave it out it it may be intentional because you'll have to find it and you'll have to search for it in fact Jesus said a lot of things that 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 can't be found without searching in fact, he, he spoke parables that 
confounded everybody. Even many of his disciples had no idea what he was talking about. If you just read through the scripture, you might miss a whole bunch of things. Now, I'm assuming today that you read the scripture. <laughs> I, I, I have to preach the word with, with hope that this is not the only time you hear the word. Because if this is the only time that you hear the word, chances are you don't understand what I'm saying. And chances are you are spiritually anemic. Amen. Praise God. I'll amen myself on that one. Praise God. Amen. Okay. So we're reading from the Bible. Oh, I'm snarky right now. I am really in a major way. So if you're going to bring your Bible somewhere, this is the place to bring your Bible. <clears throat> I better get going because if not, we're in trouble. We're, we're in trouble. Deuteronomy 31. Are you ready? And I'm going to read just a handful of verses. And then we're going to praise God and ask God for help so that I'll have a good attitude while I preach the word. You know, when I was growing up and the preacher struggled, there was always a woman somewhere out in the crowd saying, bless him, Jesus, bless him, Jesus. I find that very offensive. Are you ready? Verse 9. And my mom used to say to my dad, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. I don't want, I don't want that either. <laughs> and Moses wrote this law and delivered unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord and unto all the elders of Israel. Now, Moses is in the last years of his life here now. He's, he's not going to live much longer. He's even declared it so that at 120 years now, he's going to move on. God's going to take him. So he writes this law, and then in verse 10, Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, hmm, Solemnity of the year of release in the feast of the tabernacles when all Israel is to appear before the Lord. And the place that God's going to choose, read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Let them hear it. Every seven years, verse 10, it's the year of release. Read the law. Gather the people together, men and women and children, thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, observe to do all the words of this law. And that their children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land where ye go over Jordan to possess it. Here's verse 10. Of the NIV, Moses command them at the end of every seven years in the year for canceling debts, 
during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. Read the law so they can hear it. Amen. And I preach the other undone. The other undone. Amen. Everybody say, bless them, Lord. That's it. That's enough. One time is good. God bless you. You may be seated. When you're seated, just put your Bibles down beside you or on your lap and clap your hands unto the Lord because he's a good God. I want someone just to reach out by faith and say, God is going to do something great right now. I want you to lift up your hand and worship God because God is going to do something great right here, right now. I want us to raise our level of expectation that the Lord is in this house and anything is possible and anything can happen and any healing or miracle can take place. Let me just tell you what we're about to do. We're about to open up the bread of life. And from that bread is going to feed everything that we have that has need of. Every inept thing, every starving thing, every famine place of our life. We are about to hear the anointed word of God is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall not pass away. Ah. Let there be joy in the house of God. Perhaps an understanding of the scripture must be known that there is a scriptural declaration called the year of Jubilee. It was a release from debt But it was more than just canceling of a person's indebtedness, the year of Jubilee. Land was returned to its original owner. Possessions were then replaced to their original owner. If if a person found themselves in debt, a bad deal, if they had to work off their debt in servitude, a servant, in the year of Jubilee, their freedom was granted and everything was returned to the moment before they found themselves in peril. This occurred at the end of seven cycles of seven years, which means that at the end of the 49th year, there was complete transfer of property, possessions, material assets back to the original owner. And also, if an individual had become so indebted that their sons and daughters were indentured servants, in the year of Jubilee, they were released also. They were no longer bound to the debt that had occurred. There was a complete return. And in the year of Jubilee, there was no celebration like it In all the land, old debt was wiped away. The mismanagement of fathers and grandfathers was dispersed and wiped away. Records were wiped clean. It was the moment of full return. 
All inheritances were given back to their original owner. But 50 years is a long time to wait. Those with poor judgment and money woes could have easily died and passed away in the early time of that of that term, thus leaving their sons and grandsons and granddaughters with the arduous task of working for the lender of whom they have no relationship with. It was just an old debt handed to them by their fathers and grandfathers. Five decades with labor, with no benefit, almost a lifetime of seeking for the conclusion of a matter for which they had no no relationship to. But Moses wrote in the order of an earlier benefit to those who are caught in the web of their own making or that of another. It was known as the Shemitah. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 1. At the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it out of his neighbor or of his brother. Because it is called the Lord's release. So you didn't have to wait the whole 50 years. At the end of every seven years, a release was given. It was the Shemitah. It was not full possession of the property. It was not the return of all the assets. The borders were not reconsidered yet. The materials were not given back. However, there was a release of debt. It was a smaller but pivotal provision for the benefit of the people. It was a release. The debt was removed. Let me read it again from the NIV. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it has to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he's made to his fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. So if you were a lender, then you had to calculate the time of your loan because you knew (laughs) that at the end of seven years, it was going to be over. Everyone knew. Payments were not indefinite. The people were not going to be bound forever. Even if they had poor judgment or made bad deals or business decisions, it was going to be over at the end of seven years. The constant flaw of human nature has always included greed and lust and overextending of oneself. But along with that are the misfortunes and illnesses of life, the unavoidable tragedies that we all experience. Either way, If it was a deal gone bad or if it was an unfortunate happening, either way, every seven years, a year called Shemitah was the removal of all of those weights and chains. At the end of it, a canceling took place. It was the preface, ladies and gentlemen, of the great day. It was not the great day, but it was a run up to the great day. It was not the ultimate moment for the nation. But in the year of Shemitah, it was a preamble of the height of joy and rejoicing. It was the end of seven years, the debt was canceled. You didn't get your property back, you didn't get everything back, but you were free from the debt that you incurred. Now the great day was a full repossession to the original intent. It was the return of the promised possession. It was seven Shemitahs long. It was called Yovel, the year of Jubilee. 
And in the year of Jubilee, the ram's horn was blown on the 10th day of the seventh month to start the 50th year. That was the great day. That was the day they realized they came out of Egypt, the land was divided, and whatever might have befallen them, the inheritance was returned to all the people. Hundreds of years later, Moses understood in time, people are going to, they're going to sacrifice themselves. They're going to do things they should not do. So Yuvel, the great day, the year of Jubilee was put into place. It was the pivot point of the nation. It was the great day of celebration and there was no day like it. But that was 50 years in the making. So in between, seven sabbatical years long, seven sabbatical years was a release. In between, you only had to wait seven years for a release. In the end, there's going to be rejoicing like there has never been. All of Israel was going to gather around. Everything was going to be returned to their rightful owner. But you didn't have to wait for the 50th year to rejoice. You just had to get to the seventh year. Because if you get to the seventh year, you can cancel the debt. It was the preamble of something great. In the end, when the eastern sky opens up and the Lord ascends in the clouds, and when the dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain are caught up. It's going to be a great day. That is the great day. When the Lord comes back, it's going to be a great day. We call it the rapture. It will be in a twinkling of an eye. He's coming like a thief in the night. In a moment when the trump of God shall sound and the great day is on its way. No more pain. On that great day, no more price hikes. No more death. No more sorrow. No more rejection. No more suffering. No more anxieties. All of it is going to be gone. That's the great day. Stress is all going to be gone. New and glorified bodies are going to be given. Which means no more physical ailments. Disease is going to be wiped away. And the book of Revelation says it like this. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall be there any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are faithful and they are true. So I stand to declare to you, there's coming a great day. They are faithful and they are true. And there's going to be a resurrection Sunday. You've never seen a day like this. Everything that you're struggling with on this day, it's going to be no more. Your knees don't work. Your hips don't work. Your blood is messed up. Your mind is conflicted. But when you are resurrected, you're going to have a brand new body. It's going to be the ultimate year of Jubilee. Everything's going to change. Let me go tell you what's going to happen on that day. The dead, your dead, your loved ones, the people that you know, you lost, you cried over them. You're going to meet them in the sky. You're going to meet them in the air. You're going to be rejoicing forever with the Lord. Everybody that you went on to be with God, you're going to find them. You're going to find all the apostles. They're all going to rejoice. Oh, yes. That's a year of jubilee. That's the return of everything that we lost. We lost communion with God. We lost innocence. We lost our health. Death came by way of sin. It's all going to be wiped away. But Moses knew 50 years is a long time. He did not leave his leadership post with a long distance promise that many might struggle to see. 
So instead, Moses said this. Every seven years, there is a reason to rejoice. It's a year of release. You might not be at the great day, but there is a reason to praise in the sabbatical year. It's the seventh year and your debts are going to be canceled. Not there yet, but you got a reason because you're going to be released. Look, I understand it. Some glad morning, we're going to see Jesus in the air. He's going to come after. We're going to walk on streets of gold. But you don't have to wait till the trumpet sounds to rejoice. Here today, there was a canceling of all of your debts. Because he gave hope. He gave love. He gave mercy. He gave restoration. Let me just submit this to you. <laughs> I'm a little snarky. Are you are you waiting to heaven get to heaven before you rejoice? Are you are you saying that, you know I, I I don't I don't need to do all of this right now just you know when the Lord comes back I'm going to be singing. You're waiting for then for that moment to sing and rejoice? Is that what you're waiting for? Well, do you not know that the Lord has given you power, love, a sound mind? Did you know that when you walked into the presence of the Most High God, He deserves your praise? That He's worthy of it? Are we waiting for the ultimate time? We're just going to reserve ourselves. I, I want to submit to you something. You may not get there until you practice here. It's time to practice here. If you got praise, and that means if you got breath, you ought to give it to God. You don't wait till you get to heaven. You do it right now. He's already released you. He's canceled all that. I think part of this comes from growing up in the church and watching every year for all of my life, watching people come to the house of God but offer no praise and no glory and no honor to the Lord. And I want to know, what are we waiting for? They offer no prayer until something bad happens. And then if God blesses them, then they're, then they're happy again. We ought not have any conditions out there that cause us to praise him in here. Doesn't matter what happened last week or yesterday. He's worthy of your praise right now, today. This is this is a this is a a point of of emphasis that peace emanates from the throne of God. It doesn't come at Christmas or government. It doesn't come through compromise or treaties. Peace comes from God. (laughs) And God gave us a way out. Moses knew they needed a way out even before they got there. We need a way out before we get there. Yes. Let me just, I, I'm not going to cover all of it. I'll just give you three ways out. The first way comes from Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord 
It's a strong tower. I'm running into the name because it's my safety. When you don't know what to do and you are in conflict or pain, sorrow, anxiety, depression, sickness, family trouble, you say in Jesus' name and then you run into it and say, Lord, I'm, I'm running into your name because your name is a strong tower. He gave you his name. Not everybody knows the name, but you know the name. And if you could just speak the name, he lets you get, he lets you out. He gave you a release. We'll come back to it. Here's your second way. It's his faithfulness. Because God's faithful to you. You know what that means? That it's not about you. You are going to fail and you're going to be faithless. Now, I'm not trying to be faithless, but I know that even in my failure and in my struggle, he's providing something for me. Here's your word. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is what? He's faithful. He will not suffer you to be attempted above that you're able. But with every temptation, he makes a way of escape so that you can bear it because God is faithful to you. Thank you, Jesus. You're faithful to me. Even though I stumble and I fall and I got temptations and I got struggles, he's found a way for you. All you got to do is follow the way. He's made a way out for you. Every seven. I'm walking through this here now. Um, Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness I believe this is at the end. Uh, if you're asking me, this is at the end of the Lord's 40-day fast. I think this happened on a single day in the, in the lowest point of the Lord's physical strength. I think this happened on the 40th day. The Bible doesn't explicitly say it, but it looks like it happened on the 40th day when Jesus and his physical frame is at his weakest and lowest point. Because right after this, the angels will come and minister to him bread. And Lucifer comes to the wilderness and tempts the Lord. I won't go through all of it, but let me just offer this to you. He gave us his word. Even Jesus used it. Luke 4, 4. Jesus answered Lucifer, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And when Lucifer came back to tempt him again, Jesus answered and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the third temptation, when Satan came to buffet him one more time, Jesus answered and said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He gave you his name. He's offered you his faithfulness. And he gave you his word. Let God be true and every man a liar. God will never ever go back on his faithfulness. He cannot be God and be unfaithful to you. And his name is already established and his word is settled in heaven. And after, after the devil tempted Jesus and he rebuffed him and, re, and rebuked him with the word, the next verse says, and the devil departed. Because God always makes a way 
for your life. He is planning a release for you even today. He's planning a release for you before the great day. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to be released. Now there's going to be things returned to us that heretofore we do not have. But you can have a release for your life here right now. I've walked in this pulpit knowing there is faith in this place. Do not wait until the great day of the Lord come for you to release your faith because God wants to release your debt. He wants to cancel all the things that conflict you. And Moses said, every seven years, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have a canceling of debts. Wouldn't you love that? Man, I'm swimming right now, but I can't wait till next year. I get to start over. Mm -hmm. Moses, he knew the people needed a release. Because there were things that they had to get rid of. And there was canceling of debt every seven years. But it wasn't just that. He didn't just leave it at the rejoicing. There were things built in that he wanted them to remember. Do not do one and leave out the other. Watch this. Gather the people together. Everyone. Men, women, children, the stranger, anyone that's with you. So that you can learn and fear the Lord your God. And observe to do all the words of the law. This is the balance of life. The steadiness and the rejoicing. The canceling of debt and the law. So at the seventh year when you're going to cancel everyone's debt, get everybody together. We're going to read what God wants. He did not release you, ladies and gentlemen, so that you could fall back into the place of your former self. He did not offer you hope in this house and in this life. He did not offer you help and then leave you without a law. Are you hearing pastor today? Just as a country without a border is not a country. A life without constraint is not a life. It's chaos. You remove the borders of any property and there is no ownership. There's no sovereignty and there's no authority. Paul put it this way. But I keep my body under subjection. I bring it blessed by any means. When I preach to others, I might be a castaway. Rejoice because you've been released. But fear the Lord. Observe. Take notes. Better be learning. Better be listening. What did the psalmist say? Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Here's the balance. We're just not going to shout. We know that the Lord is a holy God. Rejoice with trembling. He's an awesome God. We don't just rejoice. We also hear the word. This is baked into me. I will dance before the Lord. I will shout before the Lord. I want to tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to get in this word and I'm going to find out what is required of a man to do. Because he's a holy God. He's a righteous king. My knowledge of him does not... mm, My knowledge of him does not inhibit my worship for him. It only enhances my worship for him. Let me just take the excerpt. You know not whom you worship. (laughs) If you knew who he was, 
and had knowledge of him, you'd be shouting and jumping and running and dancing because the king of all kings is in the house. If you really knew who your savior was, you would have no fear of the world or what man can do to you. You would know the world is not your home. If you knew who he was, if you got in the word and discovered who he really was, there'd be no casualness in your step. There's no nonchalant in your gates. You'd walk in saying, I'm a child of the king. Yes. Okay. You see, the more I hear of him, the more I want to worship him, the more I know what he did for me, the more I want to rejoice because of what he did for me. So rejoice and remember. And the moment you fail to remember is the moment you put yourself in a dangerous place. Because without the discipline, without the law, without the border and the boundary, which led you to your debt, without that, you're going to go right back to your debt. So walk after the spirit, ladies and gentlemen, and not after your flesh. And be, here's the Bible. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Pray for me, elder, that I have a good spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a little angry elf right now. Why are you entangled again? Didn't you come out of that? Why are you still... Why do you go back to the very same thing that conflicted your life? And you ask God for help and he brought you out. But now things are going good and you just go right back to whatever you used to do. And it's messing you up. Because you thought all I had to do was rejoice when really you also had to remember. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Because if the other is undone, then the yoke is sure to follow. If you leave the other undone, then the bondage is going to come back to you again. If you get free from the debt, don't go back into debt. If you get free from the issue, don't run back to the same place where you stumbled the first time. If, if, if you get free from all the negativity, don't log back in to the same website where you read the junk in the first place. No, you're not hearing me. No, because you, you want to go back there because you like that. Because, because you think that this is just, you can just go in and out of this. Listen, over time, you become desensitized. It's time to come out all the way, come out all the way. Don't go back to that same conversation. Don't you know that the conversation that conflicted your spirit and bound up your heart, it's waiting for you. So don't go back to that because your debt's been canceled. I have to preach the whole counsel of God. This is the whole counsel of God. I think I'm going to make somebody happy and somebody's going to be aggravated by the time I'm done. Because I'm asking you again, uh, again, uh, this is happening again to you. You're, you're at the bottom again. You, you, you found depression again. You, you, 
you're not, you're not over that? You, you mean God brought you out of that and now you've got into this? What, what are we talking about here? We're talking about we rejoiced, but we didn't remember. We got free, but then we put ourselves in bondage again. We got to get out of that. You can't leave the other undone. Every time you're released from something, you should go back to the word and say, let me just find out now how I stay within the conscript of God's word. Watch this. There are two kings and they have similar names, but they live in different eras. The first king, his name is Jehoash. The second king, his name is Josiah. Jehoash is found in 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 2. And Jehoash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Mm, that's wonderful. Here's a problem, however. Verse 3. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. He did that which is right, but he didn't remove all the high places. Here's Josiah. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, walked in all the ways of David his father, turned not aside to the right hand and left hand. Now the Hebrew scholars will point out the difference between Jehoash and Josiah. Jehoash did not remember or did not read the law of the Lord that was in his hands. He had it. Jehoash had the ordinances of God, the laws and decrees of Moses. They were right there at his disposal. He did that which was right, but he didn't, he didn't do all of it. He did right... But he did not take away what was wrong. Follow me now. Personal right is corrupted by tolerated wrong. Think. It was actually John Stuart Mill who said this. John Stuart Mill actually said this. He said, the only thing necessary for triumph, uh, for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. He was actually the one who said that, not Burke. He said it. So let me just do this again. Personal right, it's wonderful, but it's corrupted when we tolerate wrong. I did what was right. Now, I didn't remove all the high places. Jehoash had the law in his possession. Josiah did not have the law. They both did what was right, but Jehoash had the law and did not, he didn't do the whole thing. But Josiah, he was young. In fact, he was just eight years old when he assumed the throne. No one had ever heard the law of the Lord read in, in, in those years. It was not found. But jo- Josiah was now 18 years into his monarch when he remodeled the temple. And it was in that remodeling that Hilkiah, the high priest, found the book of the law. And Josiah, now 26-year-old king, he says, read to me the book of the law. And Hilkiah, the priest, opened up the book of the law and he began to read. And it gripped Josiah when he heard it. He, he was doing right, but he never heard the law read. And when Hilkiah read the book, hidden all those years, the Bible says that Josiah the king tore his clothes and fell down because he realized how far away he was from God's intent. So we rejoice. But then we go back and we listen to the law of the Lord and we go to Bible study and we go to life class and we learn how to live And we learn what not to say. And we learn what the doctrine is in the scripture. And we learn what to do and what not to do. Because if we don't do that, all the praise and the worship is going to be for nothing. But when we learn that, then we ought to come and praise God.
there ought to be rejoicing and there ought to be remembering and you don't leave anything undone. (laughs) Oh my, it was so good just a moment ago. Until we talked about borders and boundaries, disciplines and conduct, and reading the scripture. Let me just say to you, I'm so happy that you have a good career. I'm so happy. But if you forsake your time with God, your career will become the chain that binds your life. You see, the combination of a misplaced God and a disobedient heart always ruins you and your family. It happens because we become out of balance. Yes, I'm happy that you've attained some level of education. But if you are absent of the knowledge of a holy God, then you will be, as Paul wrote, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We are watching churches today filled with part-time participants who are not Bible believers, but rather they are news junkies. Yes, we probably need to know a little bit about what's happening in our world. It's good to read, but you cannot hear what God is saying if you spend all your time listening to your favorite news source. (laughs) Oh man, I'm preaching the word today. I'm right now, I'm right in your business right now today. You ought to be rejoicing, but you don't know who you're serving because all your time is spent watching some news program, hearing someone pontificate about what they think is going on in the world and the economy and some place that you've never been. I think you need to get back to God and get in his word. And then when you get through with his word, then you ought to be rejoicing. And when you get done rejoicing, you get back to his word. And when the Lord releases you, you say, Thank you, Lord, for releasing. Now I'm going to go back to your word. Because every seven years when this, when this release happens, we're going to get back to the law of the Lord. And if you ever come to a place where you cannot find God, it will not be because he left you. Because people drift. And the drift is often incremental. It's a slow step and then another. It's a cool breeze moving your life away from him. It happens when you leave out praise, when you leave out worship, giving, and singing. These are not trivial moments. These are the things that keep our emotions in alignment with the Holy Spirit. But they are not alone. You can't also leave out the word. Don't leave out, don't leave that undone. The taught word, the preached word, the meditated word, the read word. Thy word is a lamp, not my praise. Thy word guides my step, not my worship. My word, the word is an anchor to my soul. I'm giving God my praise and he's given me his word. I'm rejoicing and I'm going to remember. I'm released, but I'm going to hear the word. Listen, the anchor may be hidden. It may be cloaked beneath the water. But in the time of storm, thy word will be my keeping power. In our terms, we call it obedience. It pulls us back into the circumference of God's reign and rule. Not letting us walk aimlessly in this world. You better get into the word. Because if you don't know the word, you're going to adopt concepts and philosophies and ideologies that the world is propagating today. Oh, he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's coming back for a holy church and a righteous church. If all you do is praise, you'll praise yourself right out into another form of worship and you'll worship something else. 
If all you do is study and you never offer God praise, you'll just be a consumer of Bible trivia. I've been released. Hear the word. I've been set free. Hear the word. I've come to praise him. Hear the word. I've been forgiven of all my sins. Now I'm going to be obedient to the word of God. It's a little ode to my consistent father and my joyful mother. It's a little ode. Okay, let's find out what we ought to do. And in times of struggle and low moments, it's my mother over here saying, let's have a party. Let's have a party. Now listen, it's Christmas time. I can't remember what year. Dad put a shelf on the, on the wall, put a, put a nice shelf. It was a decorative shelf, but mom decided to put all of her pots and pans and then she put her special china and some other big platters up there. It wasn't meant for all of that. Just little bitty screws, a decorative shelf. You just put a little flower or a candle. But mom put her stuff up there and, and, and we were having Christmas and the shelf came down and the, and the platter broke. And mom, of course, Being the drama queen she is. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Beautiful big pasta platter. That's where we put our pasta. There's no greater dish than the pasta dish. Capiche? Who's out there? Mama best. Oh, thank you, God. Praise the Lord. We got one... I know that many of you can't even relate to what I'm telling you. It's, 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 a, it's, not a, it's not a holy dish, but it's, a, it's next to godliness. You know, the Bible does not say cleanliness is next to godliness, but it sounds good. It's not in the Bible, but my mom quoted that anyway. It wasn't in the scripture. She actually made up her own Bible sometimes. We didn't know where to find it. But my father said, oh, no, don't worry, Rosalie. And he got out the glue and the duct tape. <laughs> Steady Eddie, man, he put that thing back together. It was pitiful, but it, but it was there. And mom, being the patronizing person she was, Bill, you're so wonderful. <laughs> At least it was a steady hand in the room. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to get through this now. We're going to work through this. We're not going to die. Hear, hear me, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to die with every crisis. Are you hearing, Pastor? We're not going to die with every crisis. We're not going to let the things of the world corrupt our spirit. Why? Because I got the word. And in the end, there's going to be a day like no day. I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the great day of the Lord. Can you hear this now? I'm not feeling that. That's not an emotion. That's a knowledge that the Lord is true. That's an understanding that the word is true. That's not an emotion. I don't know what's going to happen to you. I don't know what's going to happen to this world. I don't know what's going to happen to them. But I know that the Lord is true. I know that God is right. I know that the word is right. I'm not going to die. 
But I'm not leaving the other undone either. Let, let me just read a little scripture for you. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. How would you like to have Jesus as a pastor? You wouldn't. He'd end up calling you out and you'd be embarrassed and leave the church and go to some other church where Jesus wasn't so prevalent. You bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) Whoa. Careful. Whoa. You hypocrites. You give tithes on the spices. But you omit the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. You don't get rid of your tithe. That's what Jesus said. Reading your Bible. You don't, tithing is not an Old Testament term. It didn't go away in the New Testament. Jesus said, you ought not have got, you don't, you don't forsake your tithe. But these, you have, you should have done, given weight to judgment, law, mercy, faith, and not leave the other undone. Because the Lord is into balance. Because the Lord loves balance. He wants a cheerful giver. In fact, it was instituted in the scripture. Because when, when, the, when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen, and it found its way to Abinadab's house, and it sat there for 20 years, and it was in Abinadab's house, and his son was Uzziah, and had no respect for the Ark of the Covenant, because it was familiar to him. And when David came to the throne and said, I'm going to bring the Ark back to Jerusalem, he went and got it, had no idea of the law. He didn't know what the Bible said. He didn't know what the law of Moses said. So when he found the Ark of the Covenant, it looked beautiful. It's a small, golden, glowing box. It had loops on the outside of it. But David didn't even know what those were for, because he had never heard of it. So he brings that Ark of the Covenant back, put it on a cart, pulled by oxen. Those cart get, those oxen get to a threshing floor, and those oxen do what they were trained to do. When they get to a, a threshing floor, the oxen, oxen stops, and they stomp because they were threshing wheat. That was their most natural position. But David, when he saw that, Uzziah put forth his hand to steady the Ark. He thought it was going to fall on the ground, and God killed Uzziah right where he stood. And David got fearful. He realized this can't just be shouting and rejoicing. I got to know what the, I, I have to know what the law says. This is God. I can't just move God anywhere I want to with rejoicing and shouting. I got to have something in my brain. So he put that Ark of the Covenant in Obedidim's house. And for three months, the Bible says Obedidim's house was blessed. Everybody was blessed. The king knocks on Obedidim's door. He opens up the door. There's King David with the Ark of the Covenant. Hi, I'm King David. This is the Ark of the Covenant. We'd like to put this in your house. Man, the Ark of the Covenant comes into the living room. One golden box is glowing. And the other one is turned off. Man, everybody was fighting before that. Everybody hated each other. There's always conflicts and arguments. You know, but the Bible says everything blossomed. All the cattle started having baby calves. All the sheep started having little lambs. Everybody got along. Oh my goodness, everyone, for three months, everything was blessed. David came back because they went back to Jerusalem to figure out what did we do wrong. Because you don't move God just with shouting and rejoicing. 
they went back and figured out, oh, you know those loops on the side of the Ark of the Covenant? That's for poles. And the Levites are supposed to put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. You're not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. So they went back to Obedidim's house, and David said, let's have a little balance in here. So every six paces from Obedidim's house all the way to Jerusalem, when they got to the gate, this is what David did. Every six paces, he stopped, and he offered a lamb, and he offered a sacrifice. He worshiped every six paces, stopped, and sacrificed. Worship and sacrifice. Shouting and blood. Because God's into balance. He wants you to rejoice, but he also wants you to remember. He wants you to be released, but he also wants you to know you're not going that way anymore. Don't leave the other undone. Come on, we're not going to be a Bible trivia church. We're going to be a shouting and rejoicing church. But we're also going to know the word. He has released you today. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. This is your moment of release. And when you're done with release, you get back into the word of God. Just stand with me right now. Mm. Uh, I, I feel this I, I felt this early this morning very early this morning and I woke up and there was a resistance in the spirit world because when I left my office last night I knew that there was going to be a rebuttal in the spirit world to the word so I've come with a blessing and a warning let me give you the warning first you will receive the Holy Ghost you were baptized in Jesus name but you're not raising your family in the faith you are an intermittent churchgoer and you have no relationship with Jesus Christ you'll convince yourself otherwise but it's not true Because you're not in the word and you have no rejoicing. If you were in the word, you would know to dedicate your whole life to God because the time is running short. You're unaware that the Lord is coming back very soon. And if you don't straighten it out, you're going to be unaware and you're going to be left behind. And you're going to one day wish that you would have dedicated your whole heart to God. What you don't know is that in the formative years of your children, here pastor now, in the formative years of your children, this looks easy. But without God and dedication, it's going to get real hard as they get older. And you'll come to regret that you were not solely dedicated to the things of God when you could have been. I'm giving you a warning today. You ought to be rejoicing and thanking God because your debt's been canceled. And you also ought to be in the word so that you know what God requires of you. You know it. You've had a chance, but you're back into bondage. You don't even know you're strapped. I'm giving you a warning today. Here's your warning. You got a chance. Take opportunity for the chance. You don't have to go back that way anymore. Let me, let me, let me, let me help you now. God called some of you out of all kinds of junk. He brought you out of all of that junk. Don't go back into that. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to that. Now let me give you a blessing. Here's the blessing. 
If we will on this day give God great praise just for a little bit before we leave here. If we'll give God great praise, he's going to restore us. And during the middle of your praise, he's going to release something from you. There is going to be release in your spirit, things that, 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 that have actually had you in debt. You're paying for something that God wants to set you free from. And he's going to release you today from something that you've had in your mind, your heart, in your life. And as you praise him, there's going to be a joyful release because today is your sabbatical, sabbatical year. This is Shemitah for you. And you're going to say to me, Pastor, I don't know everything. That's okay. You don't have to know anything yet. But today is a day for you to rejoice. We're going to shout. We're not there at the great day, but today is a day in between. He brought you out. As you begin to rejoice, God's going to set you free. As you begin to lose yourself in praise, God's going to set you free. Spin your emotion on him right now. He's going to set you free. I release you in the name of Jesus. Come on now, if you have the Holy Ghost, I feel like you ought to just exercise that powerful Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I set you free. Let there be a release of all the debt and the things that conflict us. Somebody praise him with me now. Come on, you're releasing that. And he's releasing something from you. Watch it, watch, watch, watch it. If you were in the word, you know this. He said, I give you power. To tread on serpents and scorpions. This is figurative language. And over all the power of the enemy. So when I went back to the word and I found it, it gave me rejoicing power. That nothing's going to hinder me and nothing's going to overtake me. So now you just heard the word. So now we're going to thank God that he gave you power over every device of the enemy. He gave you power. He gave you authority. Nothing can hurt you. He gave you power and authority. I'm not talking about your physical body. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your faith in God. We got to rejoice. He's canceling all of that. He's giving it away. He's saying, I'm wiping that clean. I've got to praise him now. I've got to rejoice. And as you rejoice, there will be a canceling of all that you...